What time is it? What time is it? Time is it? Time is it? Time is it? Howdy, and welcome to the ABI 1.0 podcast. I'm your host, Terry Thompson. You'll pardon me as I tune us back to the year 2018. Founder of Canine Radio here in Pahrump and former talk show host, 72-year-old Art Bell, died from an apparent accidental drug overdose. Clark County Coroner has released the autopsy results that showed Bell had four different medications in his system when he died on April 13th of this year. The coroner says Bell had taken oxycodone, hydrocodone, diazepam, and corispidol. Officials also say that chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and hypertension contributed to his death. Bell was a longtime radio personality on the late-night syndicated show Coast to Coast and launched Midnight in the Desert. He leaves behind his loving wife, beautiful children, friends, family, and many fans. Art Bell was an American radio host best known for his work in late-night paranormal talk radio. He was born on June 17, 1945, in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. From a young age, Bell had an interest in radio broadcasting and pursued it as a career. In the 1970s, Bell worked as a DJ for various radio stations, gaining experience and developing his skills. In 1986, he started hosting a new radio program called Coast to Coast AM, which became the platform for his most notable work. The show primarily focused on paranormal and conspiracy theories, covering topics such as UFOs, ghosts, government conspiracies, and alternative science. Bell's show quickly gained a dedicated following thanks to his engaging storytelling style and ability to delve into mysterious and controversial subjects. His open-minded approach and willingness to let guests share their unique perspectives attracted a diverse range of voices to the show. Throughout his career, Bell interviewed countless experts, witnesses, and enthusiasts within the paranormal and unexplained phenomena space. His interviews and discussions entertained and intrigued millions of listeners, solidifying his status as a prominent figure in late-night radio. Bell's talent and popularity earned him numerous awards and accolades, including induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame in 2008. However, he retired from broadcasting multiple times throughout his career, citing personal reasons and a desire for a quieter life. From the Kingdom of High, with Art Bell. No, uh, no matter really whether you be a skeptic nor a believer, I'm telling you that what you are about to hear tonight will help you make up your mind. This is Disclosure 99. Some of the biggest names in ufology are going to be here. Speaking of disclosures, 2023, we're going through our own disclosure process of sorts. With the whistleblowers and the uh, congressional hearings, Art Bell would have had a field day. 
so I'm hoping a little art from the past will help us with our present. And besides, he had such kick-ass bumper music. It's great to be on the air again, too. Art Bell used his resources and uh, his many friends in the field of ufology to try to get the UFO question before Congress. You got to remember back in the 90s we didn't have the platforms that we have today and email itself was kind of special. The petition for open congressional hearings for the government witnesses to testify before Congress, which started out in Roswell in 1997. Right. It was the 97 petition. Then it became the 98 petition. Well, it's now the 99 petition. And that petition is up on several websites, including the Paradigm Clock website, which is always you can get to by going to the Art Bell site and jumping on over. This is ridiculous, folks. They either, they do exist or they don't exist. They keep telling us they don't exist, but they block every opportunity for us to get a hold of the information to prove that they do exist. And we're going to get to the bottom of it, dadgummit, whatever the truth may be. We're done with the cover-up. Dadgummit, dadgummit, dadgummit. Perhaps one of the most knowledgeable guests in the UFO field was the late John Lear. Here, uh, John tells Art about the time that he and Bob Lazar got caught at Area 51. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm talking about that Bob Lazar. said, I don't know why I've been told to do this, but I've been told to let you guys go. So, pack up your stuff and get out of here. So, we packed up our stuff and, and left, and uh, the next morning... Bob got a call from his boss. You, you, I, if I can stop you, John, do you think the reason you were let go is because of the Lazar name? Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they didn't I, want any more so, uh, publicity. So the next morning, Bob gets a call from his boss and uh, says, Bob, don't go to work. I'm going to pick you up. And he picked him up, drove him up to um, Indian Springs, which is the center for all security for the test site, and they pulled him out of a car with a gun in his ear, and they said, Bob, when we gave you this security clearance, it didn't mean you were supposed to tell all your friends about the flying saucers. Uh, do you want to work here or not? And he was noncommittal. He came home and, you know, told us about, you know, what happened. And I said, are you going back to work? And he said, probably not. And I said, why? He said, the main reason is because the last time I went up, he said, when I got on that boat, the only thing I remember is getting on the 737 and getting off. I don't remember what I did up there. And he said, I couldn't work under conditions like that. All right. Hold it right there, John. Uh, good evening, everybody. You're listening to uh, a very rare interview indeed. My guest is John Lear son of Bill Lear, inventor of the Lear jet, 
and a man who knows an awful lot about what's going in on inside actually so much inside information that i doubt we'll hear it all tonight but we'll see how much we can get to john lear goes on to elaborate on the well let's say threats that come with the knowledge and other than the fact that i bugged you once again john i really am curious after 10 years why break your silence now and welcome well thank you art you mean i could have said no <laughs> yeah too, too late. <laughs> yeah, you could have said no, sure. Um, I'm serious. Uh, after after 10 years of not a peep, uh, why now? Well, you know, uh, the, the government in charge of this cover-up uh, works so well at uh, making your life miserable when you go around talking at this, uh, about this stuff that I quit and my life, quality of life, improved about 200%. But now the cover-up is so well in place that uh, they certainly would not be threatened by me going on the radio once yeah. and, uh, and saying what I know. Yeah, well, you lost jobs because of this, right? Yeah, I lost two. I lost one uh, with an airline and uh, one with uh, a government program that I, I really wanted, and it was with Lockheed. And they went for my clearance, and they were told by the Air Force of NASA that under no circumstances uh -huh. would John Lear ever get another clearance. Now, I had Q clearance up at the test site uh, for, for some work I did with um, Dynelectron, and it was just monitoring uh, below-ground tests from the air with different airplanes. Uh, but uh, And that clearance is still there. It's not active. But uh, they weren't going to renew it under any circumstances, and, and they made it. They made it plain, so it's cost me a little bit, but <clears throat> I managed to survive. Let's see. That uh, interview is in 2003. It's 2023, 20 years. What has changed? <laughs> little or nothing. Business as usual. Old habits die hard. <laughs> Maybe like some witnesses, if you get my drift. Grush, thank you for being here, brother. Thank you all very much. Um, have you faced any retaliation or reprisals for any of your testimony or anything on these lines? Yeah, uh, I have to be careful what I say in detail because there is an open uh, whistleblower reprisal investigation on my behalf. And I don't want to compromise that investigation by providing anything that may uh, help provide somebody information. but. It was very brutal and uh, very unfortunate, some of the tactics they used to um, hurt me both professionally and, and personally, to be quite frank. Yeah. It's very unfortunate, as they say, when you're up the target, that's when they do the most firing at you. Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? Yes, personally. Have, you heard, have anyone been murdered that you would think, that you know of? Or have heard of, I guess. I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. Maybe in a, um, if we could get it, get in a um, confidential area skiff, we could talk about that. But unfortunately, um, we were denied access to the skiff, and that's very unfortunate in this in this scenario. What they're referring to is a sensitive compartmented information facility, or SCIF for short, 
If you're a fan of old 60s TV, you've seen it represented. Now, from here on, everything is Class A security. Here's what I want you to do. Wait a minute, Chief. Didn't you just say Class A security? I did. Well, then shouldn't we? Do you want me to leave the room? That won't be necessary, Hodgkins. We can talk under the cone of silence. The cone of silence? Well, this is a magenta alert, isn't it? The cone of silence. I am deeply concerned about the conference room. What? I'm concerned about the conference room. How's that? He's concerned about the conference room. I want it thoroughly inspected for hidden devices, microphones, bombs. What? He said we'll be back right after this. We're not in a rush to be most popular. Not in a rush not to be. Real bourbon, no apologies. If it's for you, you'll know. Ah, thank you. Wild turkey, it'll find you. Are you feeling sluggish and slow like a turtle in a shell? You don't have to drag your feet anymore with the help of Token Turtle CBD in Aranda's Pass, Texas. Their store offers a wide range of CBD options including flour, pre-rolls, edibles, relief rubs, vapes, and more to help you move and groove with ease. And the best part? CBD has been known to help with skin issues, inhibit cancer cell growth, stress, anxiety, PTSD, epilepsy, and even lower your A1C. So say goodbye to sluggishness and hello to a new zest for life. Visit Token Turtle CBD at 361 South Commercial Street, Suite F, or check out their website at shoptokenturtles.com to learn more. You can even give them a call at 361-434-0063 if you just have any questions or just want to chat with the friendly staff. So why not come out of your shell and see what all the fuss is about? Token Turtle CBD is available seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., so there's always time to give them a try. Plus, who knows? Maybe you'll discover your inner zen turtle. I want to be a turtle. A B, I, 1.0 podcast. We really like to hear from our listeners. Email or voicemail. Also, check out our Facebook page. Surf's up. Got a boogie. My name is Art Bell, and uh, it's my pleasure to be here with you tonight. Linda Morton Howe up in a bit. A lot of really hot stuff. Over time, Art Bell became such a trusted member of and an outlet source of information of the UFO world that he was actually sent things. And I'm not talking things that were locally sourced, probably from further away than even China. It was at this point that Art fully became part of the story. Pahrump, Nevada, 
1996. Art Bell, founder and original host of the paranormal-themed radio program Coast to Coast AM, begins receiving shipments in the mail of mysterious metallic fragments. Art Bell started getting two shipments coming from a man who identified himself in a series of five typed letters and said he was an army sergeant, that his grandfather had died in 1974 and had left a box that had a diary and medals. In the diary, it said that the grandfather with a group of security people saw a wedge-shaped craft that was on what was then called in the 40s White Sands Proving Ground in southern New Mexico. The grandfather saw the bottom of it glow for three hours while they stood around it and he pulled off scrapings. He called them scrapings from the bottom of the wedge-shaped craft where it had glowed. Art Bell turned over these mysterious fragments and letters to investigative journalist Linda Moulton Howe for further study. In June of 1996, Linda commissioned University of Michigan researchers to use a scanning electron microscope and a technique known as X-ray fluorescent spectrometry to analyze the samples and determine their makeup. It was made out of bismuth, almost pure, one to four microns, and that was the black layer. The next layer was 97.6% magnesium, 2.4% zinc. And that layering was alternating like that. So I went to an exotic metals manufacturer in New Jersey, and I said, how would you make this? He said, nobody can put bismuth and magnesium together, it will automatically come apart. This had to have been manufactured by some kind of an advanced technology, and he didn't know what that would be. One of his go-to researchers, Linda Moulton Howe, was one of Art's favorites when it came to getting the true information. Though Art's gone, She's still around. Let's see, that report about the material was in 1996. That was Linda then. This is how now. Oh, and I went so bad to say brown cow. We are waiting for official truth that we're not alone in this universe. I finally have been getting some very, very interesting uh, information from people in a variety of directions. And I have finally uh, been told officially that the UFO UAPs will be eventually laid out to us as life forms, extraterrestrial from a number of different solar systems. And the Pentagon knows that and has for a long time. And I have received an email recently concerning that Reddit leak about exobiospheric organisms or EBOs that I reported about on my July 5th Earth Files. Well, this new communication from a military aerospace science background person says, quote, 
I managed to get a copy of the EBO post on Reddit that got taken down. Everything in that July 5th article is factual. To explain this a little better, what he is talking about are programmed biological life forms or PLFs as they are referred to. He is correct in pointing out they are a blend of much of the biological material sourced here, meaning on Earth, and mixed with some from out there, not of Earth origin, or organic material from Earth. What he did not mention is that the Shimura mix that he referenced always has Earth-human DNA mixed in with other Earth organisms. This is what makes it extremely difficult in explaining the where do they come from questions. These are what most people in these classified programs call mission grays or autonomous PLFs. These are the ones built for space travel and interact in the abduction exercise and show absolutely no emotion or empathy toward anyone having the abduction experience. They are simply carrying out what they are programmed to do. These PLFs have a four lobe brain with a center lobe that is connected to all four lobes. This is the reason for the large cranium. The black eyes are not black. That is a tissue engineered device about 16 layers thick to cover the whole eye and provide significant contrast in different spectra of light, close quote. I greatly appreciate hearing from those of you working in government, aerospace, science, or medical programs who study and or even interact with non-human intelligences and know how huge the disconnect is between what humans know about other life in this universe versus the truth that it is throughout the universe. It appears in the early 50s, it was kind of a take us to your leader sort of thing. Deborah, it's me, Alex. Shh. Doggone. Don't scare them off. Now they stop transmitting. Yes. What are you talking about? The Martians is next door. Oh, they friends with the Drysdale? <laughs> Dumb old girl. Martians is from outer space. They landed their flying saucer in the Drysdale's backyard. What for? To try and contact me. They always try to locate the Earth man with the biggest brain. The Martians is hundreds of times smarter than ordinary folks. Well, if they're here to contact you, and so all for it's smart, how come they landed in the wrong yard? Keep it up. They's going to turn you into a robot. How come? Because they know what you're thinking. Then they ain't going to contact you, because I think you're a pig right. Washington, D.C., July 19th. 1952. In the skies over the heart of the United States government, multiple unidentified flying objects are picked up on radar by air traffic controllers at Washington National Airport and Andrews Air Force Base. There were jets scrambled to intercept them. When the jets would get there, they would disappear. When the jets would land, they would reappear again. Basically, it was all over the news, all over the entire world. So it happened twice on two consecutive weekends 
meaning that more and more people saw the same thing. They were flying over the heart of Washington, so that is essentially the equivalent of landing on the White House lawn. Get off my lawn. Whoever they are, they really like showing off their superior technology. Show-offs. In your career, have you ever seen a propulsion system that creates no thermal exhaust? No. Can you describe how the aircraft maneuvered? Uh, abruptly, uh, very determinate. It knew exactly what it was doing. It was aware of our presence, and it had acceleration rates. I mean, it went from zero to matching our speed in no time at all. Now, if the fastest plane on Earth was trying to do these maneuvers that you saw, would it be capable of doing that? No, not even close. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. I think man is the most interesting insect on Earth, don't you? There is a growing tendency to think of man as a rational thinking being, which is absurd. When we talk about disclosure, just exactly what is it that's going to be disclosed? Well, Art Bell and John Lear discuss this topic. Stay put. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. Over the years of doing this program, so many years now, I've often wondered why I've been allowed to do it at all. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let's say the government chose me. Uh, they were going to use me as an outlet to release this information. Let's just say they did that and they took me to a briefing. Then what, John? Okay, we whisk you to, or they whisk you to <clears throat> Washington, D.C. You get limoed to this building, beautiful building. You go up into this room. Uh, they say, Art, you're the guy. Um, if you give us the go-ahead, we're going to release everything we know to the public. And if you decide to go ahead, all major networks will be provided with information on all aspects of the cover-up. No type of information will be withheld because of the deal for immunity for all participants of the cover-up provides that nothing, no artifact, no piece of information be withheld. So here's what happened, Art. Uh, and of course, this will call, uh, we'll use some videos and stills. Our first UFO recoveries were in the late 30s. We made a couple in the beginning of the 40s and then came Roswell which the public found out about. We got two live aliens from Roswell. One died shortly thereafter, one lived until 1956. And we found out that so far there are 18 different alien species that we know about monitoring Earth. Some are good, some are hostile, most are indifferent. Uh, we found out that we are the experimenter product, if you will, of an alien race who we never met and really don't know who they are. All we know is that the greys are cybernetic organisms, glorified robots, if you will, who work here at the behest of their employers, monitoring us through abductions. Uh, we were never able to find out what the experiment is all about, except that we have been externally corrected about 65 times, and they, the aliens, refer to us as containers. There has been speculation that the souls our bodies contains is the reason for the experiment, but nothing has been proven or determined. Since 1938, we have lost over 200 aircraft to UFO hostilities and thousands of soldiers in all kinds of different kinds of action with aliens. 
Since that time, several hundred thousand civilians have disappeared with no trace. <clears throat> several thousand were eliminated by us because of their chance encounters with aliens, which we could ill afford to have publicized. A slightly more frightening phenomenon known as human mutilations have occurred on a regular basis and are similar to the cattle mutilations in that the humans or humans are taken from the street, so to speak, and returned to the same area about 45 minutes to an hour later with their rectums cored out, their genitals removed, their eyes removed from their sockets, and completely drained of blood. In all cases, it appears that the mutilation procedures occurred while the persons were still alive and conscious. One of our scientists speculated that apparently the human specimens had to be alive for the samples to be worth anything. Abductions occur on a daily basis throughout the United States to at least 10% of the population. And when we first became aware of this, we protested to the little gray being that we held in the captivity at the YY2, uh, YY-2 facility at Los Alamos. But a deal was struck that in exchange for advanced technology from the aliens, we would allow them to abduct a very small number of persons, and we would be periodically given a list of those persons abducted. We got something less than the technology we bargained for and found that the abductions exceeded by a million-fold what we had naively agreed to. In 1954, President Eisenhower met with a representative of another alien species at Miroc Test Center, which is now called Edwards Air Force Base. This alien suggested that they could help us get rid of the grays, but Eisenhower turned down their offer because they offered no technology. At this, at this point, it became apparent to all involved that there was no such thing as a god, at least as the public perceives god. Certainly some kind of computer recorder stores information, and an occasional miracle is displayed by the aliens to influence a religious event. So this, this so unnerved Eisenhower that he had, in God we trust, put on paper money and coins and put into the Pledge of Allegiance to reaffirm the public belief in God. Shortly after this, it was determined at meetings between the U.S. and Russians that the situation was serious enough that a Cold War should be manufactured as a ruse to divert attention of the public away from UFOs and towards some other scary threat, the H-bomb. Wow. It was also decided to keep the ruse secret from any elected or appointed official within both the U.S. and Russian government as long as... Uh, as it took so long to vet these uh, officials, and the ruse was easier to manage if the top people didn't know about it. In the late 1950s, NASA was formed to compartmentalize, containerize, and sanitize information from all space platforms and vehicles. We sold NASA to the public, claiming that all information would belong to them. Actually, they got very little, and even that was highly sanitized. Our first efforts were to keep the public from learning about Venus. Uh, and that it's a similar planet to Earth, and that its population is very similar to us, but more technologically advanced. Uh, we have learned a lot from them. Starting with the Russian Venera 1 and U.S. Mariner 2, we made Venus look like a lead-melting, volcanic surface spewing sulfuric acid into a pressurized atmosphere 90 times that of Earth. And it was often the case we overdid it and wondered why no one ever asked how a parachute survived the descent into 800-degree air. We set up operations in Pine Gap, Australia to preclude any prying eyes trying to figure out what we were up to. We regularly eliminated, through extreme prejudice, anybody who was part of the operation and made the least little tiny threat about disclosure or satisfaction with the operation. Any space mission that included Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, Mariner, Voyager, Clementine, and all the rest, all data initially came transmitted to Pine Gap, and then it was relayed to JPL or wherever uh, after the sanitizing. 
We had a little trouble with amateur radio operators, uh, but we figured out when they figured out how they could intercept these signals, but we managed to deal with that. When the Russian threat began to fade, we introduced Vietnam, which kept the public occupied for over 10 years. The cover-up and the personnel to run the operation began to get bigger and bigger and required more and more money. We were enforced to inflate the defense budget, which soon was not enough. Then we got into the drug business, which was still not enough. We were the ones that looted the savings and loan industry and Wall Street to boot. It is so out of control now, most people want immunity and want out. There, but there is so much secrecy and so many double and triple blinds in place that it is unlikely that this thing can ever be dismantled. And even if you give us the go-ahead to spill the beans to the public, it's unlikely they will get anything more than, yes, we recovered a flying saucer, and yes, there was an occupant, but that's all we're going to tell you. So go ahead and roll the tape for Mr. Bell. Uh, what you see here are, are the human mutilations uh, look like. That one was a male about 27 years old. Uh, now that film is of dead aliens being pulled from the wreckage of their craft that crashed in Atlanta, California in the 50s. That craft you see over there is it was over 250 feet in diameter and had to be buried on the spot. Uh, that site is in Utah near Dugway Proving Grounds. The object that you're looking at now is the Kecksburg Acorn, which was brought to Wright Pat in the middle 60s. There's Frank Drake trying to force information out of a being tied down to that stretcher. He was supposedly from Tau Ceti. These pictures you're looking at now are the structures on the moon. That's the tower in Sinus Medi. It's over seven miles t uh, tall. And that thing there is what we call the Colossus of Agurum in Maricusayim. We don't know what it does, but the machine itself is bigger than Brooklyn, New York. Now those are videos of the domes covering the craters. You can see that some are in a very advanced state of decay. Now these are five second slides of the 18 different alien species we are looking uh, at. That one there is the most gruesome looking. The guards at one facility are carefully indoctrinated over a period of several months being shown in pictures similar to, but not exactly like the alien. Only when they have been acclimatized, so to speak, of the horrible looking beings, are they allowed to stand uh, in security positions. Before these acclimatations were done, we had two guards die of a heart attack as these aliens came down the hallway unexpectedly. And this last clip is of the Kennedy assassination. You've heard of the second gunman theory. Well, this is the second camera that recorded exactly what happened. We had four gunmen. And the bottom line was, Kennedy had to go. He insisted on releasing what little alien information we had told him about, and he was trying to withdraw troops from Vietnam, which we were using as a diversion for the public. After the Kennedy, we never told any president anything. Nixon knew because he was briefed as VP in 1952. That's how he knew where to take Jackie Gleason to Homestead Air Force Base to see the alien bodies we had storage there. And that's about it. What uh, say you, Art Bell? I Can we brief the public, yay or nay? My, my first response would be, uh, having heard even just a quarter of that information, if I really heard it from a legitimate government source, that I was about to be killed. All, the, all those words in the briefing, and they'll be chewed over a million times, John, so you've, you've given us plenty to think about, and I don't know how I can thank you for consenting to come back on this program one more time. Okay, Art. Good night. Good night. That's John Lear. <laughs> That's a lot to think about, isn't it? And I do recommend that you do that, ladies and gentlemen.
Uh, get a copy, a text copy of John Lear's briefing tonight. I had no idea that was coming, incidentally. None at all. Uh, type it out. Remember the words. Get it on Streamlink. Uh, do whatever you're going to do. And then sit down, and I ask you, reflect on it heavily, very heavily. Assume it's true for the sake of the question that he posed to me and now the same one that I turn around and pose to you and that is knowing all of that as actual fact would you then go ahead and consent to everybody's knowing to a sudden release of all of that incredibly frightening societal changing information what would you do with it Answer that question honestly, and then fire me off an email or something, if you would. And again, I want to thank John Lear for being here. Uh, one last incredible kind of program, and I wish his life goes on well. And please don't bug John now that he's been on the air. Uh, please, don't, uh, please don't bug him. Uh, let him do as he would like to do, and that is live his life out happily with his family. As for me, that'll do it for this. Oh, what a weekend this has been. Whether or not we come to true disclosure this time, well, I guess your guess is as good as mine. It's been so many decades of a cover-up that we've actually run out of some researchers. You know, people like Richard C. Hoagland, Stanton Freeman, Jim Mars, J. Allen Hynek people that Art would have on his show. Hell, we even ran out of Art Bell himself. I'll include a link in the description to uh, John Lear's statement. And I guess we just hope for the best. That's going to do it for this episode. I'm Terry Thompson. This is the ABI 1.0 podcast. See you. By the way, this is the one and only time I'm going to use this song as a bumper out. Uh, it's Art's theme. Uh, the actual name of the song is Chase. The artist is Giorgio Moroder. Eh, might be good on somebody's playlist.